1: Welcome, welcome, welcome if you want to run with the game changers. Oh come on, I tell you you're in the right place because this is where the best run, and it's always true. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from a columnist and an author named Nicholas D. Christoph, K-R-I-S-T-O-F. He wrote the book Half the Sky, Turning Oppression into Opportunity for Women Worldwide. Great title. I'm gonna read it. And here's the quote I've selected for our show today. In this century, the paramount moral challenge will be the struggle for gender equality around the world. Now, that's really a loaded statement, a lot going on there. So what are we talking about? Well, organizations from university clubs to the United Nations have been trying to secure a world of equality in business for years. Are they making any headway? Mm, Not so sure. Recent initiatives like the UN Women Global Innovation Coalition for Change, which we can abbreviate as GICC, WIDS, we'll explain that in a few minutes, and FQ, the female quotient, have created a vast ecosystem matrix focusing on creating change. But we all know change is not easy. Change in directions away from what has always been the status quo. It's a tough haul. So is it happening? What kind of progress is being made, what can we look forward to? This is such a hot topic and we had such a great discussion about this uh, two months ago on March 6th here on Coffee Break that I've invited our panelists back to join me for part two. So the topic today is the future of equality. Now get this, in business, in technology, and in innovation, that's a three-part loaded topic. We've got a lot to talk about part two. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'll have some news about this show later Later in the show, so stay tuned. Let me tell you who my three experts are today. We are welcoming back Shelley Zalis, CEO of the Female Quotient. We're welcoming back Judy Logan, co-director of WIDS, that's the Women in Data Science Conference at Stanford University. And we're welcoming back Anita Varshney, lead strategy for SAP NextGen. Ladies, I'm very, very privileged to have you all back with me. So they sent me new quotes, different from the opening quotes last time, and let's see what we've got here. Shelley Zalas happens to be a big fan of Coco Chanel, whose original name was Gabrielle Bonheur Coco Chanel, 1883 to 1971. A French fashion designer and businesswoman. Come on, you've all seen the intersected C's on purses and scarves and other things. She's the founder and namesake of the Chanel brand. Look her up if you want to. Fascinating woman. And here's the quote Shelley has selected. In order to be irreplaceable, one must always be different Shelley's alice welcome back how have you been i'm just so happy for this reunion <laughs> i like that idea i didn't even think of calling it that come on you're a big fan of, of coco chanel do you i'm, I'm going to ask a personal question do you have a lot of those double c's on purses and jewelry and hats and suitcases i don't know her line is extensive are you a big big fan
2: you know, what I, I happen to love the blazers. I like the little jackets because they, I can wear black jeans and a black shirt and throw on the little blazer and look different every single time. And, and most importantly, they pack and fold really easily. So for a girl who doesn't check luggage, it, it matters. <laughs> so i can just mix and match my jackets and look like i have 20,000 you know pieces of, of clothes. I always
1: look I like that. I love it. That, that's what i love about coffee break. We just talk and talk and talk. Now, you've you've just helped to explain somewhat explain the quote and the topic today. So let me read the quote again and tell me specifically what was on your mind when you picked this. In order to be irreplaceable, one must always be different. Does that describe you, Shelley's Alice?
2: Well, yeah, of course. If we were all the same, we wouldn't be necessary. And I think that that's the power of team. We all bring different skill sets to the table. And when you mix and match skill set, you really have the best talent pool. And, you know, there was a great story that I heard once of this guy that got up and he basically had his whole team of 20 there and he said, I did this and I did that and I did this. And his boss came over to him after and said, well, if you're doing all those things, you don't need the rest of your team. Get rid of them. And so I think that that's really the magic is bringing your best self to the table, knowing who you are, knowing what your value is and what your individual strength is, and not hiding it and not conforming to what others do, but, uh, you know, differentiating yourself. And I think being different is your greatest strength.
1: Thank you. Now tell me, our topic today specifically is the future of equality. So if we're all irreplaceable, which we would love to think we are at some point or another in our families and our careers and in our community, Shelley, how does the irreplaceable being unique help us with achieving this gender equality we're talking about today?
2: Uh, We say that diversity is good for business, and it's not just about gender, race, age, religion. It's diversity of thought as well, and I think that that's what's really important is, you know, you've got different seats at the table, and we, we want to fill them with unique thought, and I think that's how we create better business. And when we really talk about the business of equality, we know that diversity is not just a nice-to-have, but it is a business imperative mm-hmm. in so many ways.
1: Thank you, Shelley. Pleasure to have you back. I wish I had a picture of you in your little Chanel jacket. Maybe you'll, you'll send us one for the next time around. I appreciate that. And now let's go around the table just one stop to Judy Logan at WIDS, and she has sent us a wonderful quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, also known by a name different from her birth name, Anna Eleanor Roosevelt. I don't have her maiden name here. 1884 to 1962, American political figure, diplomat and activist. She was the first lady of the U.S. from March 1933 to April 1945 during her husband, President Franklin D. Roosevelt's four terms in office, and this makes her the longest-serving First Lady in the United States. She was also a U.S. delegate to the U.N. General Assembly from 1945 to 52. and Harry S. Truman called her the First Lady of the World. She had a lot of human rights, attributions, and achievements here. Here's the quote Judy has selected. The future belongs to those who believe in... In the beauty of their dreams. What a beautiful quote. Judy Logan, how have you been? I've been
3: great. We have had uh, all sorts of initiatives going on worldwide, and uh, it's been fantastic to see it in action.
1: Very nice to have you back. Talk to me about this quote. I love the idea of the beauty of the dreams. What are we talking about in terms of the dream of gender equality in business, innovation, and tech?
3: Well, I think one thing that I've been inspired by is how women worldwide have been, have been dreaming the dream. And they've been trying to put their dreams into action by learning new skills, by um, putting themselves out there. And I'm also just incredibly impressed with all these women and men who, uh, all the, the new generation, the younger generation who are really interested in doing a lot of data for good. Projects and uh, it's been very inspirational.
1: Do you think this is mostly in the millennial segment, the demographic, the cohort, as we say, Judy? Is this is this penetrating all demographics, all age groups in business today, or in innovation? Let's talk about that. What's your observation?
3: My observation is that it's strongest in the millennial group because mm-hmm. I, I just think it's part of their DNA. It's part of they want to have their purpose sort of baked in to whatever it is that they want to do moving forward. I also, though, see a lot, of, a lot of people who are in later stages of their careers, and they too are looking for purpose. They're looking for a way to contribute that's meaningful, and
1: uh, so I'm seeing that on multiple fronts. Thank you. Very, very, very interesting. Um, I I like the phrase. I particularly like in the in this quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, Judy. Beauty of their dreams. Beauty conjures up to me something that isn't just, "Hey, we've got a goal. This has got to happen by this year." And we've d- these numbers of women in in uh, roles at the top of companies. I know Cheryl Sandberg has a quote about, "Let's raise the floor and the ceiling." I love the idea of the beauty of their dreams. Do you think people think of it in those terms rather than just a hard fact that this is something that's there's wonder to it and there's there's a, a beautifulness of Having this equality, Judy, what's your thought? Is anybody really waxing poetic about this?
3: Well, I do think that a lot of a lot of people do wax poetic about it because I think that their goals are in some cases lofty, and in some cases, and they're so inspired and they're so passionate and and there's beauty in the passion. there's beauty in the um, in the determination. there's beauty in the strength. And so I think that there's in the strength of conviction. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of beauty to be
1: seen from multiple angles. Thank you very much. I hope I didn't push that quote too far, but I was I was looking for that, and and you used the word inspiration. Lofty, that's what I was looking for, rather than just a hard number. Okay, this is our quota. Thinking of it in terms of something bigger and, and more more lovely, if you will. Thank you, Judy, and welcome back. We'll be talking to you a lot more and finding out more about what's happening at Women in Data Science Conference at Stanford. And Anita Varshney is next. Let's move around the table, and she has sent me a quote from Jonas Salk. We, I don't think we've ever had a Jonas Salk quote, Anita, Jonas Edward Salk, 1914 to 1995, an American researcher, medical researcher and virologist, as in virus. He discovered and developed one of the first successful polio vaccines. He was a New York boy, born in New York City, attended CCNY, New York University School of Medicine, and became a practicing physician. Very interesting. Uh, Here is the quote. Hope lies in dreams in imagination, and in the courage of those who dare to make dreams into reality. Anita Varshney, welcome back. How are you, Anita?
4: Hi, um, I'm excellent, and I'm really happy to be back here on the radio show together with Shelley and Judy. Um, And as as Shelley said, it was was so amazing last time that I was looking forward to this. So I've been well, and uh, since I am in Hong Kong, I've just come back from uh, a big SaaS conference where I was also speaking on how diversity and inclusiveness just makes companies more you know better positioned for a competitive advantage like when all these perspectives and ideas are coming in, it's just you no know, creative and innovation in the room, right? So yeah, I mean I've had a great day so
1: far and I'm looking forward on talking uh, with everybody here on the summit. So yes, excellent. Good. So tell me about this quote. You you parallel some of the words in the quote Judy just chose from Eleanor Roosevelt. Yes. Dreams, imagination, courage. Let's talk about courage. Why did you pick this quote, and do you think courage is the important part here?
4: So um, uh, SAP Next Gen, when we are working with SAP's customers, um, we are heavily focused on purpose-led ideas, right? Uh, We are working on how do we achieve SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, and the, many of the problems are quite big and quite pressing and it will only take some really uh, courageous leaders who have this extraordinary vision of making it happen together with people around them to make them you know to make those projects into a reality so so these big companies who are today led by profits and if they want to work together with them to serve communities to be more purpose led it will definitely take courage. It will take changing of mindsets, which have been originally programmed towards driving, you know, more uh, profits for the company. So it will take a mind shift, and that is, of course, asking awesome for courage. It is also inspired uh, a lot about, you know, science fiction, um, and that's where dreams and imagination comes in, and that's very and that's what really guides us um, at the team at SAP because um we want our our customers the the partners and all those people who are working with the the, the latest technologies that they need to dream further they need to imagine something which they've not done before so that they can collectively drive good uh, for the communities per se and not just for the companies itself. So uh, it, it does take, uh, you know, uh, um, it does take, you know, a little bit coming out of your normal comfort zone and, and in, in today's economies to be competitive. Um, we really see that, you know, only those leaders in top who bring in these elements together when they are approaching problems.
1: Thank you very much, Anita. Pleasure to have you back. Love the quote. Never thought of a quote from a scientist, from a physician who was responsible for one of the most helpful vaccines ever. That's a hot topic today. We're not going to get into the politics of vaccines on the show, but thank you very much. I, I appreciate the beauty of his quote, so I am I thank you, Anita. Okay, let's go around the table. Time to get a little up close and personal with my three experts, my panelists. Shelly Zalas, CEO of The Female Quotient. Shelley, where in the world are you today? What do you love to drink that powers you to pick beautiful Chanel blazers? I really want to see those blazers. And tell us what you've been up to at the Female Quotient. Shelley, it's all yours.
2: Uh, thank you. Well, today I just landed in New York City. And I think that, of course, on a red eye, that got awfully delayed. So I got in early in the morning. No sleep, but what powers me mostly in my Chanel suits is probably rose all day. Um, <laughs> but right now I am drinking a lot of coffee and I take my coffee consistently difficult. So it's always <laughs> a grande non fat, no foam, extra hot latte with one sweet and low. Whoa. That keeps me going all day. <laughs>
1: So. I, I bet Starbucks loves you. Do you write it all down for them? No, you know what?
2: Every Starbucks in the cities that I go to knows me very well. So I just—I'm consistently difficult, but I'm consistent. So once you get it, you don't forget it.
1: I love that. You know, I'm going to change the word difficult to um, irreplaceable or unique. Let's just—just just, I don't want to use demanding. I don't want to use challenging. Um, special. You're special. Can we go with special, Shelley? Listen, I, I th-
2: sure you could go with whatever you want with me. I always, uh, the Mr. Whipple commercial just came up when you said that, Bonnie. Because do you remember that Mr. Whipple commercial? Yes. Where Mr. Whipple was going and squeezing all the toilet paper. Yes, the Charmin. I remember. Yeah, and you know, people said he was either loved or hated, but at least he was memorable.
1: We <laughs> talked about him. Memorable. That's yeah. the word. Shelley Zalis ordering her coffee is memorable. I. That's. I'm going to go with that, Shelley. Now, tell me, what's up with the female quotient? What have you been, where in the world are you these days? What are you? To whom are you speaking? How much progress are you making? Just briefly.
2: Uh, we definitely are globe-trotting. I think last week we probably had about six pop-up lounges, uh, FQ lounges. We call them Home of Equality, the place where we all belong. Yesterday, I was in San Francisco at Google Live. Um, Google calls it an, equali- uh, an inclusion lounge, so we had an, an inclusion lounge at Google. Mm. That we created and had some unplugged conversations around how we were going to advance equality in the workplace and in tech and in innovation and in all the topics, of course, Bonnie, that you're always on trend um, talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today, I am on my way to Bottomless Closet, a luncheon, helping dress um, women that are not as fortunate as some of us to be dressed for uh, work, and so I'm going to support that organization. One of my girlfriends is being honored. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to that. Tomorrow I am off to Paris to Viva Tech and to, you know, have a couple of meetings there. So I'll be there for about a day and a half. But we're, we're globetrotting and really doing pop-up lounges all over the world and rolling out permanent lounges in university campuses in over 117 countries. So we're a little busy these days. And I'm, I'm gaining
1: a lot of airline mileage. I bet you are, and you're memorable at a lot of Starbucks, I'm sure, and, and other coffee vendors. Very interesting. You know, when I said, are you, are you making strides around the world or something like that, I just said, "Shelly, I had no idea of your, your globe trotting travel schedule and all the appearances you're making. So I'm I'm glad that that was a good lead-in. I, I'm, I'm a straight man here. Thank you very much. I'm glad you've settled in somewhere. I'm formerly from New York, and I, I hope you'll say hello to the, the Big Apple for me. I don't miss it a lot, but just a little bit, so we'll leave it at that. Thank Thank you, Shelley. Judy Logan, you're up next. Where in the world are you settled down somewhere enough to call us today? Um, what is your favorite drink these days? Is it memorable? I'm sure it is. And what is happening with Women in Data Science Conference? Judy Logan.
3: Well, well hi there. And uh, I wanted to let you know I meant I'm talking to you from Los Angeles, California. I was meeting with some folks at USC yesterday. And then tomorrow I will be back at... Stanford University to um, to p- take part in a research symposium up at the Institute for Computational and Mathematical Engineering, for which which is the group I work with. Thank goodness we have an acronym for that. It's ICME. <laughs> that's a mouthful. I recognize. So, uh, you know, Bonnie, last time I think I told you that I love to travel, mm-hmm. and oh, and I also really. Um, think that context is everything in regards to wh- how much you love a beverage. And so one thing I was thinking about is how when my family and I went to Morocco to visit the host family, uh, my daughter's host family, she was there for a year studying Arabic. Um, I think that I was just so pleased to meet these people who had been taking such great care of my daughter. Mm-hmm. that when they served their, their version of Moroccan tea, which everybody has their own sweetness, everybody has their own uh, version of their, their mint tea, when they sat down with us to to serve us this Moroccan mint tea, that was actually one of the best beverages I've ever enjoyed in my life.
1: How beautiful. What a lovely story. Moroccan mint tea. Is that such a thing? Yes. Can we get it here?
3: Uh, you know, I'm sure you can get it, but everybody's got their little variety yes. of it. So Here's a recipe. Got their own
1: There's a recipe recipes. on Epicurious. Uh, it says you can... Barely take a step in the markets of Marrakesh without tripping over fresh mint, or at least without being offered a glass of hot, sweet mint tea. Be sure to lift the teapot high above the cup while pouring. Moroccans appreciate the way this aerates the tea, and they always pour with great panache. You take a tablespoon of loose Chinese gunpowder green tea, five cups of boiling water, three tablespoons of sugar, one large bunch of fresh mint, and you need a a one-and-a-half-quart teapot. There's a whole recipe here on Epicurious.com. So there you go. I was just. There is.
3: I was. There's curious. great ceremony to it too, Bonnie. There's great I ceremony to all of that. Beautiful. And then the last time, Bonnie, when we were speaking, um, I had just we had just hosted the Women in Data Science Conference at Stanford University, and since we last spoke, we've actually also um, we've we've also actually been supporting all of the people worldwide who are hosting regional events. So there were 150 regional events worldwide um, that followed the Stanford conference and followed the same sort of uh, the same sort of format, including Anita, um, who's on this call. She was mm-hmm. actually one of the hosts in, for WIDS in Hong Kong, and um, so now we've been ho- we've been working with all these people from 50 countries, um, more than 50 countries actually, and. Um, so that they can actually bring the Women in Data Science Initiative to their cohorts, to their community, so they can actually highlight the women who
1: are local, the women who are in their community, who are making a difference with data science. Thank you very much. As I, I listened to you, Judy, and I listened to Shelly and coming up with Anita, I I feel, I feel that there were so many opportunities to do this, back in the day when i was a woman in data science when i was a young programmer analyst we didn't think twice about this we we had a lot of women in our classes and getting jobs in the data data entry in data entry in computer science field i'll make it very broad and i don't know if we were aware of of an inequality um i got a really good job but what's funny was my first job right out I, I have a bachelor's in uh, psychology magna cum laude, and then I went back to school and got two degrees in computer programming and uh, operations, and I, I was told that the job I got, which was running a statewide computer data system for the community colleges of the state of Oregon, I was in Eugene at the time, I was up against, it was either me or a gentleman of color, and I was told that the job was going to go to one of the, or the two of us, one or the other, and I don't know what the decision-making was. I don't know who he was. I was in New York visiting my parents for the summer, and I was told to stand by, and I would find out in a week or two if I got the job. But it went up to him or me. I have no idea who he was, what his qualifications were, but I got the job, and it led to a, a career of many, many years in data science. So I don't know if this was happening back in the late 70s. Um, I don't know. I just wish that I had had the foresight, Judy, to look at this from a, a bigger standpoint and say, what's happening in the industry, and who are these people, and do we need to motivate and marshal forces to do something for the future of this industry? And he, I'm just uh, looking... Wistfully back over my shoulder, my professional shoulder. Here. Judy, any comments about were we aware of this back in the day? I'm sure you're you're too young to know, but any thoughts on the history of the movement? Well, I
3: think that you know, I think that when you were entering the field, I mean, I'd be interested to know if there were very many women in your work environment. I think that one thing that makes a big difference um, for anyone is if you feel sort of too different, then it feels, Mm -hmm. it can feel a little lonely. And um, so I think that, you know, one thing that hasn't changed as much as we'd like over time is the number of women in the field, at least in terms of a percentage. So the numbers are growing, but the percentages are not.
1: Interesting. And
3: Mm -hmm. so I think that um, that when you were in the field, first of all, it wasn't called data, you were a data scientist before there was, Data, data science
1: was a, was a thing. Yeah, we were just programmer science. analysts. That's all we were.
3: Yeah, you were a data scientist way back when, so that's mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, but I'm sure that if you were to look around, you know, if you looked left and looked right,
1: um, I bet, you know, there weren't very many other women. Are, you know what? There actually questions. were. I'm, I'm thinking back really? to the people. Yeah, Oregon Total Information Systems. Otis, there was a, a much older woman named Paula and she was a crackerjack programmer. She had touched every system we had and she was coding up the wazoo. she just look at something and she'd spill out a couple thousand lines. I was that good as a COBOL programmer on an IBM 4341, uh, PL1 on the IBM and COBOL on the Xerox Sigma 6 CP5. I know this really dates me. But there were a lot of women in these organizations. I remember not just the managers were well, let's see, the computer room operators were mostly men, but most of the programmers were women. I remember a lot of women. Maybe that's why I wasn't aware that we needed to do anything at the time because my people sitting at desks near me and cubicles near me were women. Interesting? Yeah, and and look how supported you felt
3: in that yeah, environment and look I at did. how how welcome you felt. And so I think that that's a big difference. Like if you actually, if, you know, around 30% is around where people start to feel like they're a part of this thing, that there's mm-hmm. enough sort of, um, the, you know, there's sort of critical mass of, of people who are or somewhat like them. And otherwise it can get lonely. And so that's yep. why we keep on, you know, trying to support This um, incredibly important field, growing field, um, and try to support the the women and also educate people regardless of gender about all the great work that's being done in the field.
1: Yes, thank you for that. And I'm just gonna say bravo to your organization because there is a need and you're right. We need to feel supported and, and not all alone or or memorable in the wrong way, shall we say that, going back to Shelley's comments. Anita has been so patient. Wait, Anita, I said that on a show about a month ago. I said to a guest, the third one on the panel, You've been so patient. And he said to me on the radio, How do you know I'm patient? And I try not to say it, but it's just a bad habit. Anita Varshney, I know you're in Hong Kong, but tell us what you do are you, are you living there? Are you working working there, tell us where you are, tell us what your favorite drink is, and then bring us up to date on uh, what you've been doing with with NextGen, please. Anita?
4: So, yes, I am in Hong Kong, uh, almost midnight here, and um, I just enjoyed my cup of tea, which many Indians love, and I had to stay up late, so I just made a nice cup of tea with ginger, and I enjoyed this with a nice cookie. So oh. um, yeah I live and I have been living in Hong Kong for 10 12 years now and Hong Kong is my home I have my family here. So let me share a little bit about what SAP Next Gen has been doing. So of course uh, we have um, uh, I have a global team so very lucky to have partners like Female Coaches mm-hmm. where we can go in together and curate some of the very important women leadership Uh, topics that we want to drive not only at universities, encouraging those young ladies who are going to have their own fabulous careers, but also at big events where we want to bring out these leaders out in open, where they are voicing out not only their leadership journeys, but potential challenges which they face uh, where they are working today. So a lot of good events and I would say a lot of good workshops happening around uh, around the world. And as uh, Judy also mentioned, we, we did wrap up uh, uh, and we did uh, work together on lots of women in data science events as well. Uh, more closer to home, like in Hong Kong, um, that, uh, unlike Shelley and Judy, I, I love to stay on the ground with my two boys. So I have had have, have incredible opportunities to bring some uh, incredibly smart Uh, women leaders. So we had the sustainable fashion meetup and so inspiring to see 10 women startups all from Hong Kong doing sustainable fashion and all running profitable businesses. Um, And and then, uh, for example, I get uh, in the last three months, it's really good to see that every week Uh, I have been invited to inspire a bunch of women, whether it's with uh, she loves data or with with just like you know new startups who are coming up and they really want to see that how can women make a name for themselves. Uh, the other global topics that my team. So just yesterday uh, uh, we wrapped up the Global Goals World Cup in Europe where we had uh, women uh, women startups who are playing uh, and together in you know in a nice soccer tournament where they they stand some movement and they, they it's basically encouraging women and sports so lots of good things uh-huh. happening and uh, just two weeks back uh, actually yes just last week at sapphire it was like the biggest sap event and it was so amazing to see that uh, that uh, you know we had some of the again three women startups all leading purpose-led startups on the main stage talking about their vision and how did they step, step up out of their regular jobs to really lead these purpose-led startups and they are running profitable businesses today? We, In fact, we also, together with Carly Cross, uh, who's a big uh, model and entrepreneur herself, we talked about how Code with Clossy uh, is a great program and inspired our customers and partners who are attending the event in a completely different way. So taking these great women leaders and examples and setting some really uh, good ideas for them and their organizations to pursue on what women are doing today. Uh, looking forward, oh, absolutely. There are some some great conferences where, you know, we are uh, working together um, uh, on uh, on bringing the women leaders together. Um, uh, we have actually a really big one coming up in July in Hong Kong uh, and Rise Hong Kong, and there's we have this really strong tech community in Hong Kong where I have about 200 women leaders
0: mm. and
4: I am trying to curate a roundtable uh, with 30 of those selected women leaders on what does it mean to be a real leader today? Uh, what what qualities do they bring? Is it empathy? Is it, and is it creativity or is it just handling complex situations together? So I think uh, we're excited last few months since the last last radio uh, show that we had. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to continue working on this momentum, whether it's in Hong Kong on ground or it's globally uh, elsewhere, uh, together with our amazing partners.
1: Thank you very much, Anita. Great overview of what you've been doing. The three of you are so busy. I just sit here and do radio all the time. I feel like I I need to get up and go out and see the world. But I bring the world to our listeners around the world through shows like this, and I'm very happy to do that. I have uh, an announcement. First of all, we're not going to take a break because this is too good to take a pause here. So, uh, Shelly, I picked something from your list we're going to talk about that we didn't discuss last time from your topic list. But my announcement is that this is the third to the Last Coffee Break with Game Changers show. That's right. May 29th will be the final show, and it will be, and it's all for all good, just listen up. It will be the preview of my new series that will debut here in collaboration with World Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com, and the new series will be called Technology Revolution The Future of Now. And we're going to be looking at tech trends, we're going to be looking at where we're all headed, and how we all have something to say about the future. You know, there's a famous Gibson quote, the future is here, already here, it's just not evenly distributed. Well, my position is that that was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet, so let's see what we need to do about it. We'll be talking about the future of workplace, the future of gender equality, the future of automotive, the future of entertainment, the future of families, the future of innovation, the future of drones, the future of education, the future of travel, everything interesting. Each week we'll have a theme and I'll be talking to futurists, I'll be talking to experts in their fields like the three ladies here on the show today. I'm hoping you will all come back and talk about the future of... Now, gender equality, where are we looking? What are we going to do about it? So I'm I'm making an invitation to Shelly and Judy and Anita right now to join me on the new show. So that's my big announcement. Uh, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. It's an absolutely gorgeous day. Blue skies, not a cloud in sight. It started out very cool at 54 degrees. We're going up to a balmy 75, and people are out walking, walking their dogs and in shorts and having a good time. I'm in a 55-plus community. Yes, I admitted it. And, uh, and not everybody is retired, certainly, I'm not. So there you are. We're not going to take our break. You are listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. If you're keeping track, this is episode number 371, I think. I've lost track since October 5, 2011 when we started the show. Our topic today is the future of equality in business, technology and innovation. It's part 2 because I've invited back three very, very smart minds, three very motivated people. I didn't say women, I said people. Shelley Zales, Judy Logan and Anita Varshney are all with me today. And I have to do a special shout out To David S. Fowler, if you want to look him up on Twitter, it's Dave S. Fowler, F-O-W-L-E-R. He's a colleague at SAP, and he helped put together this panel originally. And here is a great comment from Dave on Twitter. He says, equality in the workplace means making change not to fill quotas, but because it is the right thing to do. Very wise, Dave. I have him on a Skype chat here with me, and he's listening to the show and enjoying it. I know that. So, Shelley Alice, I've picked something from your list here, and I think this is very interesting. You say, quote, it was your last statement, you said, we rewrote the word feminism, with an M-E-N in caps in the middle, to include men, because we're all in this together. Leadership remains largely male, so women need male mentors. That's a provocative statement. Shelley Alice, why don't you tell me what that means to give me about two minutes, and then we'll see what Judy and Anita have to say about that. Go ahead, Shelley.
2: Well, women are 51% of the population, so we can't just keep talking to ourselves. And gender equality is not a female issue. It's a social and economic issue. And so we all need each other. And it's by default become a male issue. But it isn't a male issue, it's a leadership issue. And leaders are still predominantly men, especially when we all know that there's less than 5% of CEOs are women. So it is a leadership issue. By default, it becomes a male issue. And if we need mentors and leaders are mentors and we're losing, you know, men in the conversation, then, you know, we're really not going to be in a good place. So we need to encourage leadership to continue to mentor women, and that's why, by default, it it is men, and that's why we put the word men in feminism. And as I said on the last call, feminism 1.0, Gloria Steinem, women supporting women, women finding their own voice. We call it she for she. Gloria doesn't. Feminism 2.0, United Nations, Emma Watson brought men into the conversation. He for she. We call it feminism, modern feminism with men involved, must include men, we for we, we're all in this together. Oh my
1: goodness, that was a mouthful. I appreciate that. I, I love the capital M E N. tried M-E-N. to do it in two minutes for you. You did agree. I think you beat the clock there. My goodness. Judy Logan, join us. Thoughts about the need for male mentors because of the un- imbalance in leadership? And, and what do you think about that, agree or disagree?
3: I absolutely agree that we need to have mentors regardless of gender, I think that in order to for for women men whoever is in the workplace they actually need to look to mentors and if those those potential mentors are male that person is the person to to ask for help from but I also think that we need to as women we have a a unique responsibility to um to actually help women once we get to those other women once we get to those leadership roles. And so I guess that not. I'd like to change uh, the word mentors to be (laughs) (laughs) women-tours. And to suggest that, in fact, maybe what women need to actually take that responsibility to mentor the next uh, generation of female leaders um, in order to make sure that, yes, they got there themselves. But let's also take... Great care to make sure that they're not the, the only ones, that, they, that it doesn't remain unique that women are in leadership roles, that they actually pull other women up with them and become women tours themselves.
1: I like that a lot, women tourists. That's very interesting. I had a, a shocking revelation at a, I'm, I'm a drummer now in a in a community band, and we were going around the room introducing ourselves to a new musician who had joined us about two months ago. I, I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, it came time for the one of the guitarists to introduce himself, and he said, I'm so-and-so, and the woman next to him was his wife, and, and we looked at her to introduce herself, and she said, I belong to him.
2: Hmm. Bonnie, this don't. is Shelley. I just wanted to add something to what Judy just said because today is Madeline Albright's birthday, and she says that women that don't support other women deserve a place in hell. And you know, <laughs> we say that women that support other women deserve a place in heaven. And so, you're absolutely correct. It really is about women supporting other women, bringing everyone yep. up.
1: So, um, yep. yep, I just wanted to acknowledge
2: that and reinforce what you said.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Anita, let's have you join this conversation about male mentors. I I love that. Never thought of it. What do you think, Anita? So,
4: I actually really agree uh to Shelley uh, to Shelley's point and um, for me it is it is about um uh, being more inclusive. So, I I I go back to the the courage the topic on courage and being more imaginative. So all the the sustainable development goals that, you know, which we want to all aspire to achieve and we want to be more um, purpose-led, I have read so many reports that that women leaders in in, in these situations are are doing so much better, but it's only the last three months that I will have seen that consistently that I have seen women lead these topics, whether it's within big corporates, whether it's startups, They understand communities, they understand sustainability and relate to it in a much, much better way than men can ever do. So if I have to see what makes a better world, you know, how do we all together go to a better world, it's when we have men and women working together hand in hand. Uh, The creativity, the handling of complex situations of how women do it, it's, it's so much relevant. And that's the only, for me, it's the only way the economy can really go in the right direction. So for me, for me, it's, it's about, it's an absolute way uh, companies today can be more competitive, can, can they answer the, the calls from the communities much better if they have women on board and absolutely take their ideas as equal, if not more than men. So for me, it, it, it is about, if you want to be successful, you need to get all these scenarios, all the perspectives and that is the only way that you are going to you can you be purpose-led.
1: Thank you very much. I like the infusion of the word purpose in there. Thank you. Shelley, good kicking off topic here. Let's move on quickly to something in Judy Logan's list. Judy, let's talk about technology. Machine learning and artificial intelligence, you say, can have unintended consequences that create a greater responsibility for data scientists. I think I know what you mean, but why don't you explain this? I'm going to give you two minutes, and then let's see what Anita and Shelley have to say. Judy Logan, all yours.
3: Yes, so unintended consequences are the things that happen sort of further down the line. You know, when you're looking at, when you're programming an algorithm, sometimes it's hard to See three chess moves in the future to see what what the what the consequences might be, and that's why they're unintended consequences. And so, for instance, if you're trying to um, you know do something in criminal justice to try to see what um, you know there was this great article about that about bias and um, in machine learning algorithms having to do with recidivism. Recidivism, And mm-hmm. if you're trying to predict that, um, there are so many potential ways that you can bias the information. And sometimes, in fact, the data itself is what's biased. So if you're training a model, if you're training a model that on a data set that already has bias baked in, then that bias is just going to get exacerbated once um, it's on a larger data set. So, I think that there's a great responsibility that data scientists have to try to think about, to try to think like a chess player, to try to think three steps ahead in order to make sure that they are acting responsibly um, and going, you know, because you can have great impact in this field. And that great impact can be positive, but you can also accidentally do something negative. Um, and so, I think it's really, really incumbent on the data scientists to think through the potential, um, the potential consequences moving forward.
1: Thank you very much. Very interesting. I, I wanted to make sure we got into that. Anita, Varshney, just two minutes. What are, you, what are your thoughts about algorithms, about uh, biases that are embedded in based on who sets up, who writes those algorithms, what their state of mind is, what their perspective is, how they feel about anything to do with equality? Anita, what do you think? So just two
4: sense on this one. First, I think... Uh, Um, encouraging um, more women uh, to take up STEM, to pursue machine learning and data science, that can be, you know, uh, help us eliminate, you know, when we have more equal representation on those people who are actually behind the algorithms, the result could be more, you know, uh, more relevant. And and the second thing would be that we at SAP have actually used machine learning to eliminate bias. So we have actually worked on algorithms so that when, we are screening, uh, you know, uh, people who apply for jobs at SAP. Uh, we, don't, uh, we are eliminating and trying the unconscious bias, which sometimes, you know, the HR or the recruiter have. We are using algorithms to take that unconscious bias away so that they are more fair to the candidates. So I think it's a double-edged sword. but uh, at the end of the day, if the foundation, at the foundation itself, we are enabling, you know, more data, more female data scientists, then on the other side, the results will definitely be positive.
1: Thank you very much. Shelley Zalas, join us. Thoughts about the role of data scientists around the biases that could be intentionally or unintentionally, let's reverse that, unintentionally or intentionally embedded into algorithms for ML and AI. What are your thoughts?
2: I don't even think it's intentional or unintentional. I think it's just a lack of, as we talked about at the beginning, diversity of thought at the table. And, you know, AI, what goes in is what comes out. And Mm -hmm. if we're missing girl code, you know, 50% of, you know, the the feminine brain, then we're not really, you know, creating the right algorithms. And I think that when you look at the masculine, linear, analytic, decisive, the feminine, nurturing, empathetic, collaborative, you know, soft power versus, you know, soft skills versus hard skills, if we don't have that thinking in, you know, programming AI, we're going to miss a lot of how people search. And when you look at even at Google search and you're looking for something, I can pretty much guarantee that the masculine and feminine search differently with different words and, and different lexicon. So I, I think it's just important to have that um, diversity in everything we do.
1: Thank you very much. Really good topic there, Judy. Went around the table on that. Anything you want to add? Because I want to pick up something from Anita's notes before we quickly move into our crystal ball predictions round. Judy, anything you want to add? <laughs>
3: Yes, I do. I wanted to add that, you know, recently at the the conference that we held at Stanford, there was a great talk by a woman named Hillary Parker, who's a data scientist at Stitch Fix, and one thing that she talked about is that so much of the work of a data scientist happens before a line of code is produced. So you actually mm-hmm. have to, you know, look at the the data set that you're training on. You have to you know, do a lot of data mining, you have to do a lot of data cleaning, and so there are a lot of sort of unglamorous things before you even get to the part where you're, and so I think that's that you actually have to think backwards and think forwards in order to
1: try to prevent some of these unintended consequences that are, that are negative. Thank you very much. All good points. Anita Varshney, we have just enough time to squeak in one more topic here. Barely, you say boardrooms are increasingly reflecting the streets we walk on. Leading organizations are bringing women to the forefront, recognizing their thought leadership, giving voice to their fresh approaches for tackling some of the world's most pressing challenges. That in itself is a beautiful statement. Quickly talk to me, Anita, about your observation on, on how boards are inviting more women.
4: So um, uh, the trend has been, you know, increasingly going in the positive direction in the last one or two years, especially with uh, lots of governments also, you know, making this as a very important topic. Uh, what we have seen is that a lot of SAPs customers who are going towards, you know, a a step ahead of profit uh, are being more purpose-led. They also understand that bringing women on board, on the leadership board, helps them empathize with their end customers in a much, much better way. So the movement is actually driven from these big brands who want to walk the talk, and they're actually inspiring other smaller, you know, customers or whatever, suppliers or partners to follow the trend. So, uh, uh, And this has been, you know, uh, increasingly uh, seen when we are, you know, attending big events or when we are curating panels. We have lots of women who are coming, who are in leadership positions, who are overcoming the challenges, and now, in fact, inspiring others to follow the same path. So I know we discussed, you know, a little bit earlier in the radio show today that, you know, uh, it's often that women, uh, you know, don't support women, but now I think the trend is actually reversing. We see lots of community movement lots of support across organizations,
1: and this would definitely change the game for better. Thank you very much. You know what? We don't have time to get comments on that, but I'm going to start the roundtable part of the show called Crystal Ball Predictions one minute early, and if you want to incorporate your comments, uh, we'll start with Shelley Zalas. Shelley, if you want to incorporate a quick comment about women being invited on boards, I'd be happy to have you do that as part of your 90-second prediction. I'll give you a little more time today. So Shelley Zalas, the female quotient, very busy lady, please look into the future, Anywhere between now and, let's say, 2025, uh, what do you see in terms of the future of equality in business, technology, and innovation? Shelley?
2: Uh, I think, first of all, we will have more conscious leadership, and I think that that's where it starts. We still have a pay gap, women on average making $0.80 on the dollar, black women $0.63 on the dollar, Latinas $0.53 on the dollar. So unacceptable. Um, Unconscious bias is an excuse. Once you're aware, you either have a choice, do something or don't. So I think we will see much more conscious leadership with people looking in the mirror and deciding that they are going to take those next steps for accountability, and most importantly, holding themselves you know, each and every one of us responsible for the changes that we'd like to see in the world. So I think we'll see that um, a lot more. I think we'll see a lot of policies and rules evolving. You know, I, I say all the time the rules were written over 100 years ago by men for men when women weren't in the workplace. Well, you know, as Anita pointed out, we're in the workplace, we're at the table, you know, and we're actually contributing companies that support women see a 34% higher um, profit bottom line. So we all know that it's good for business. So I think we're going to start seeing some new rules evolve so that women don't continue to fall out in the messy middle and that we give everyone the opportunity to thrive and succeed in in the workplace today with flex schedules, time off, and One of the things that we're pushing for is life stage profiling so that we can accommodate our best talent, not our available talent, at every stage of life, Um, and that will require rewriting a few of the rules. And most importantly, leadership um, will be the responsibility of everyone in the organization, not just the top-down and bottom-up, but definitely shared all around. So I I think we will see the future, and for your next shows, and I'm all in, I just want to jump in, the future of work, the future of the workplace um, will evolve to modernize so that everyone um, can bring their best selves to to work. And I think we're also starting to see a real shift based on the hashtag movement that I'm a co-founder of, media and entertainment portraying girls and women in accurate, realistic ways. Mm. What we see in media, and media defines culture, is going to go a long way to how we live our lives and share at home, which will help us thrive in the workplace.
1: Thank you, Shelley. Beautifully put. I have 90 seconds barely for Judy Logan predictions. Go ahead. Well,
3: I think that just building on what Shelley said, I think that the you know, with the addition of and, and with what Anita said about women on the boards, I think that having sharing those unique perspectives and I hope that that's beyond women as well to underrepresented my, minorities so that, that so that there's better representation and that those policies, that those rules that Shelley was talking about, that they actually evolve to be um, more more uh, more inclusive, but also to be more relevant in the workplace and in our current society. I think that there are... Um, but I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing. I'm encouraged that there's movement in this direction. I'm encouraged that, uh, that there are numbers to back up the, accepting these policies and accepting the, this new wave of of working and of living. And um, so I'm I'm excited about the future and I'm glad that uh, the women who have, and people who haven't been as well represented are now going to be better represented moving forward.
1: Thank you very much. Anita Varshney, I saved just a little over 60 seconds for you. That's all we've got left. Talk fast. Go ahead, Anita.
4: Okay. Uh, I don't need to talk much because they have covered it all well. But uh, just very shortly... Uh, If you look at the last six months, you would be amazed about how the biggest brands in the world are using or, you know, are giving a prominent shout out to how they're supporting their own women leaders, but women in community in general. I think it it, it, is resonating with what. The Citizens of the World Wants Today, it's, it's about women being equal, if not more. So I think when I see the biggest brand in, in voicing it out so loudly that, you know, women can dream crazy or women can be what they want to be, it inspires the next generation in a huge, huge way. And that brings me back to what Shelley and Judy mentioned that not only we will see the women leaders rise to the top, but we will see the new workforce, which is entering, they would be empowered and they would see, uh, you know, uh, they would be entering workforce in, in an absolute in a new mindset. And that will help us change the equation. So absolutely positive. And I think, you know, when we are coming back for the third time, we would already have some really cool stories from Shelly or Judy where we are talking about, you know, this is how the change is
1: already happening. Thank you, Anita. All wonderful. I'm, I'm so admiring of the three of you, of everything you're doing, of your energy, of your looking ahead, of your diving in and doing something about this issue, equality, gender equality in everything right now today and not waiting for somebody else to do it. So I'm a big fan of Shelley Zalas at the female quotient, Judy Logan at WIDS and Anita Varshney at SAP. Big shout out to our good friend David Fowler, who has been along for the ride with me here on a Skype chat. And a shout out, of course, to our Aaron Keller at the business channel team, World Talk Radio, our engineer extraordinaire, always there for us, getting us on the air and keeping us on the air. And I'm ready to close the show. So fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for. My guests aren't waiting for anything. They're out there making things happen. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Shelley's Alice, just like Judy Logan, and just like Anita Varshney. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back at 2 p.m. Eastern today with another episode of Internet of Things with Game Changers, talking about turning your competitors into your co-petitors, your co-evaluators, your co-collaborators. Powerful show. See you then. Bye-bye.